0: Welcome back to Radio Juxtapose, my name is Doug Gillen. today you join us from Peckham in South London as I sit down for a one-on-one with multidisciplinary artist and musician Kato. I first saw Kato's work at a group show back at the start of the year. Two figures sat on stools playing instruments, decollaged layers of the work loosely built upon each other with a naivety that felt both intentional and effortless. Grossly enlarged hands far too big for the strings of the guitar somehow connected the visual to the auditory sensations as notes burst from the canvas. Airbrushed features pulled everything back into some sense of reality, albeit one that was disjointed and filled with a kind of haunting ghost-like quality. At only 24 years old, without a solo show under his belt, I'm really enjoying watching this young self-taught artist carve his own path into the art world. Over the course of this conversation today, we discuss the influences parents have had on this creativity, the joys of airbrushing and the future plans that he has as both an artist and a musician. If you don't already, please do subscribe to the Radio Juxtapose podcast wherever you are listening in from. Both Evan and I really do appreciate the continued support that each one of you give us every single week. No further notes, let's get into it right now. You are listening to Radio Juxtapose in conversation with Kato. Toby, thank you so much for joining us today. Toby Grant, Kato, what am I calling you?
1: Let's go with Kato. Uh, I use Kato, that's my middle name, and I use that for my art practice and my music. Um, where does that come from? Can I ask you that? My mum named me Toby and my dad wanted to call me Kato. Kato was, he was one of my granddad's mates who was, he was the, one of the few that were like had time for the kids, had time for my dad. So he always respected him and it's a cool name. So. It's a very cool name. I don't mean to many chaos. I assumed when I first
0: saw it and especially with your kind of with that aesthetic that you have in your work, I had assumed it was coming from graffiti, but but it's not. Yeah, I used that as my tag growing up as well. There is a
1: graffiti hand in there somewhere. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Where did you grow up? Brighton. Yeah, I grew up in Brighton. What was that like? Yeah, it's cool, man. Brighton's a cool place. It's like um super diverse in terms of like the sort of people that are walking around and that you grow up, that I grew up with. It's pretty, like, pretty middle class place, but there's like a variety of backgrounds of of my mates. And it's quite small, it's quite concentrated. It's a good place to grow up, though, I think. It's
0: funny, I always think that it is middle class, but then I remember the preconception I had of it was that it was like, you know it was like really middle class and then you get there it's still pretty you know that you walk down the street there it's still got a, a pretty rough edge to it you know it's not it's not overly polished it definitely feels like there's like a little undercurrent there
1: it's got that old it's got that sort of british seaside town thing slightly barren parts of it yeah that seeps in a bit but then they got posh uh coffee shops and whatnot as well you know what i mean so a bit of both
0: was art always a? a part of your life or I mean I get the sense because you're so multi-practitional and I get the sense that art and music have just been in your life and I I feel that immediately but is that the case?
1: I always drew, I was always drawing. I remember my mum, I've got these photos and my mum would draw dinosaurs for me to colour in. My mum's an artist. Uh, Both my parents are uh, massive music lovers as well. So there was always cool albums on in the car and whatnot. It was always there music I came to later in terms of making it. But yeah, it was pretty much always there.
0: Did it always feel like it was gonna be, this is the thing that I'm gonna do? Or was it something that kind of maybe just came in later? Cause you're still super young, right?
1: Yeah, I think, I think when I was about 15 or something, my mom was like, so what are you gonna do then? Do you reckon? And I was like, we can't, I kind of paused and was like, maybe film but I knew, it'd be some, I knew I wanted to do something creative. I thought I'd do, at one point I thought I'd do science, but I kind of thought, oh, if I do art, I can still incorporate science. If I do science, I probably wouldn't do much art, you know what I mean? Do you think then that there is still, cause some artists I can
0: see there's still a connection if they have, as you know, if they're Holbeys astronomy, I can, okay, cool, I see that. But looking at your work, I'm not hundred percent sure I can see the science science world.
1: More of my animation stuff, I think science comes into it with that. Physics and like science fiction, I suppose, um, come into my animation a bit more, which is something I might do in the paintings at one point. I made this short film that was quite like sci-fi called Black Moon. And I think you can see it in that, but it's in the back of my mind all the time. What elements of science is, uh, when you
0: say science, because it's such a broad, a broad spectrum, it's like saying art, you know, it's like, okay, cool, that could be a million things. What is it about that particular field that particularly interests you?
1: I think growing up, it was um, natural biology. Like It was like, I always had books of all the animals of the jungle, things like that. And I was obsessed with dinosaurs.
0: What's your favourite dinosaur?
1: Uh, Probably Diplodocus. Got a toy of that on my... <laughs> I had to ask that. I, I know people are going to
0: be like, what the fuck, this is an art podcast. We're a serious art podcast. I'm like, no, man, I want to know what the fucking
1: guy's favourite dinosaur is. I can't remember what it's called, but there was one, I had this sick um, DVD of walking with dinosaurs, and there was one with these giant claws that I really liked. Mostly it was animal stuff, and then later I got into physics and chemistry. Like, There's a solid generational
0: age difference between us. I'm 37, oh, openly... my hands up to that and and you're in your sort of mid to early 20s. Mm -hmm. I guess it's, it's that kind of thing that older people tend to do they're just so obsessed with the youth but your generation I mean we had we were at that kind of turning point of technology coming in and people being able to have access in ways to tools that they didn't have. But you, by the time you were in high school, that was already part and parcel. The audience as well, that would have come through social media and stuff like that. Did it feel really commonplace that people would be exercising that kind of creativity in different ways?
1: I think, yeah, it's probably much more open access. Like I remember when I first got Instagram it was probably first year of secondary school. And I would just put my drawings up there mm-hmm. and people would sort of take the piss like, my mates would be like, oh, like sharing your art or whatever. But that was definitely normal to do. People would put up different things. And my mate Jago put up YouTube clips of him rapping and, and his, him and his mates rapping and stuff. That was like a way to get that out there. There were people doing that sort of thing, having YouTube channels for their music mm-hmm. when I was super young. So that was like an obvious uh, avenue to do it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the artists, Especially musicians, I guess, that were like coming out at that time. It was all on their own back from YouTube, particularly music as well, because that was that that was that turning point. Once things
0: like SBTV started to blow up and thing, and those those channels, it was like that's where the next people that are going to be the stars on Radio One are going to be coming from. They're coming from these little DIY channels and this kind of really from the you know from the culture and
1: just after the grime stuff as well which was more like mm. on actual cameras versus iphones i guess yeah like on little handy cams did it feel like the visual art was
0: uh, as i guess as open as inaccessible and i always find this relationship between for the general public music is is just part of everyone's life there's nobody that like especially if you're under 30 right everybody's you know always got their headphones on they're on the bus they're listening they're consuming music constantly but people if you ask you know the average 25 year old who their favorite you know named five living visual artists i think most of them and maybe it's a generalization but i think they'd probably struggle they definitely find it harder to name five living artists than five living music yeah they would stutter at least i
1: wonder if that if it felt like that
0: world was maybe open for you?
1: Yeah, I think for the art stuff I was looking at when I was super young was more like cartoons and comic books. Um, and there's in Brighton, there's a lot of illustrators, like the guys who made the Edge Chronicles, which is a book I loved when I was like a kid. They were down the roads. So that side of it was more of a thing. Like, um, it wasn't like painters that I was thinking about. It was more like cartoonists. Whereas the music thing, I could see that that was possible for people to try to give that a crack. That was much more like of an option.
0: So, was that side of the visual stuff just more, appe- did it just me- maybe appeal to you more as a 16 year old guy, right? Like for me, art wasn't a thing. And this is what I always try to, I've always tried to talk about whenever I do the podcast or my own stuff. It's like art wasn't a thing. And all I wanted, all I've ever wanted to try do, having since being involved in art, is try and make it more accessible because it was so alien for me. And did the, that fine art world feel like it was still something othered? Like,
1: yeah, I didn't. Well, I grew up going to a lot of sh- galleries with my parents. I guess you—you see, your mom was an artist. What kind of artist was she? My mom um, is was. Yeah, is uh, she's done some really cool drawings recently. Um, she she's done a bunch of stuff. She did a lot of sculptures that were around my house, like these little miniature mountains from the back of like. Um, some um, renaissance paintings she'd take them out and pass cast them and she also did like amazing collages and drawings and stuff
0: is there a connection then between these two do you think if i if i looked at both of your
1: work you might spot it she does these collages where Games. she'd get collage was the word yeah. to bring... <laughs> it's, it's, not not quite, it's not quite a collage what she'd do is she'd get a picture of like a whole class from a school from a newspaper or something and she'd just draw Everything apart from the faces would be scribbled out, but in really beautiful scribbles. So there's the faces that were left, so that's similar. But that's through, I learned that through my sister, Jazz, who, and Maya, who both experiment with stuff like that. That's more of a straight link. And then I've come into it after that, I suppose. So you're a creative family? Yeah. (laughs) how many are you? Three, two sisters. All currently working in
0: the arts? Yeah. Damn, that's good. That's a nurturing environment. That's really cool. You ever think you'd do like a family show or something? Yeah,
1: definitely, yeah. At least we've all worked together on stuff. Yeah, I worked with my sister Maya and her uh, partner Dominic on like music videos. And then I've worked with Jazz on a bunch of stuff for her like assisting her and stuff like that.
0: So kind of it's uh, supportive rather than competitive. Is there a competitive edge in there? Yeah, I'm
1: sure there's a bit of both, but um, I definitely saw like jazz is the oldest and she was was doing fashion and then she started doing these amazing collages alongside that. Um, And then she started getting jobs doing them. And I was like, oh shit, you can do that. That was like um, penny dropped sort of thing. And that's what just around the time I left uh, uni
0: what were you in uni for and what can i ask why you left is it, did you leave because you finished or was there a different story
1: yeah no i dropped out i dropped out on one of them um i came i came to london and went to csm on what do you call it like um last chance to get into a course oh, um, clearance okay,
0: clearance that was it i was i was clearance as
1: well <laughs> yeah scrambling on to <laughs> <Yeah. then. laughs> Yeah, I'd had I'd had a year just working in Brighton at a restaurant, and then feel like my dad was like, well, "What are you gonna do?" And I was like, oh, "Yeah, shit, sure. probably." And I'd been teaching myself animation. I went on clearing and saw what was available. There's like a graphics course at CSM, and I just like got signed together really quick. Like these drawings I'd done, I made like a little comic book out of them, and just took that and my laptop with animations on it and then asked him if I could do animation there and they was like, yeah, sure. And then it wasn't, it wasn't really like that when I got there. And I'm just not very good at school. Like I enjoy learning and that, but when it comes to getting on with the, the thing, the work, like, and handing it in, I just always just put it off, never submitted it. S- same thing happened all the way through. So I kind of knew I was doomed to leave, I think. But it was a cool, cool experience though.
0: I think that's the thing you kind of you do get the sense and for me it was like it it definitely felt like it was it was a slog you know you see those people and they're just they're in it they love that environment they love the institution I'm here to learn and for me it was like look I like this experience I like the idea that I have access to be able to learn this stuff but this doesn't I, I just want to get out into the real world yeah 100% I was just ready for it
1: yeah I was I was a bit older than the kid, the students as well they, a lot of them were eighteen, and I was like twenty-one, and um, I was already doing my thing. Like I was figuring it out, so I didn't feel as reliant on it.
0: Where did this visual language come from, then?
1: Um, this current stuff. How
0: long has this been part of the? This is. it I mean, I've seen sketches and things like that, and it feels like there's kind of like a continuous evolution.
1: Yeah, my mom said that the other day because actually, when I was about, when I was about seventeen, um, I was drawing. Romeo Bearden's work who does who's where I got this visual language from really Uh, my dad gave me these books which had his art on the covers it was like it was this series of books called the Harlem Cycle I started just drawing them so that my drawings would be more interesting what he would do was get magazine uh, portraits or like just photos from magazines and cut them up so when I when I started painting on canvas like two like a year and a half ago and learned this method of the airbrush uh, I was doing some like I was doing a, I was doing someone's album cover and I they didn't like it and I was just cutting it up and then I was like oh shit I can do that thing but with these paintings now so that was like that was my first like true like idea I've had since I've been painting so I was so excited that it came easy to just like start doing them.
0: I read in one of the interviews that you had done, you had said, steal from your favourite pieces and eventually it'll become your own.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. I was
0: wondering if you could give me an example of something that you stole and that eventually did become your own.
1: Yeah, like, um, yeah, so I stole his whole thing, really. But he also said the same. I kind of got that from him, I think, from Romare and maybe. And, like, there's some quote that they say, Picasso said, but who knows? But he says, like, great eyes steal. So I'll steal, like, like, that's... That one's from a photo, they're all from photos. So it's all someone else's work. It's all an artist's work. And it's all someone I don't know's face. So I haven't asked for permission, but- um, (laughs) But here we are. (laughs) But I've interpreted it, I've changed it. And I feel like uh, free to do that. And like all the methods I use, I've seen other people do them and been so excited to try them that I can't help myself. But it's always in, respect and love for what they've done so i feel like it's an homage you know what i mean
0: you know every single artist yeah. that's currently operating is doing that to some to some degree some more so than others yeah for sure you yeah. know i think some definitely getting away with it so how do you build a scene then so uh yeah paint paint that picture for me where does yeah. it sort of it, start
1: actually a good example of stealing something is that i went to martin wong like two weeks ago and he did these amazing brick walls. um there's a show in camden and, and I was really stuck on this painting. Uh, and then I was like, oh, I'll just do the bricks. And I was, I was like, by figuring out what he'd done, that took all the pressure away. I was just slowly building up this background. Um, but this painting, for example, it was this yellow guy and there was a woman next to him and they were in a yellow room. Um, and then that was, it was kind of cool, but it's kind of pissed me off. So I just got rid of the background and put them in the in the water. And then that didn't work, so I got rid of that, it was, it was quite an arduous one. So then I just went back to the street, which I'm comfortable with, but I changed it by doing this different um, style of wall behind them. But what I'll do is I'll just find cool photos from books um, that I've got, at, or from Instagram, and I'll find cool facial expressions. And that's what I'll start with, and I'll paint them with acrylic and then airbrush. And then start to collage them together once I've got the cool, like I've got some interesting faces that maybe work together a little bit.
0: Is there a sort of universal theme of what you're trying to communicate through, through your work?
1: I don't know. I think, I think I am very interested in people and their faces. Sometimes when I look at them, it reminds me of like when you see someone cool, someone look amazing, walk down the street and you're like, oh my God, wow. And then they're gone. And then you kind of, in, kind of relate into them a little bit. They might catch your eye, and they recognize you, and then you get this little interaction. But then they're gone, and I think it's about that. I think it's about like the little stories you see. But yeah, I don't know. There's there's other themes as well. Like I'm just I'm just doing it, just doing it, and then it comes afterwards. What it means, I think, most of the time. Why
0: airbrush? What is it about that effect? Because it is it's a particular effect, and I think it works so well but what is it for you that really interests you about that?
1: Well, I was I was away, I was living in um, Mexico City for, for a while and me and my um, ex-partner, were we were always like, oh, we should try the airbrush, it looks so fun. And then we got out of the cab in the city and there was a whole shop of just airbrush parts because they've got crazy shops out there. So we are like, oh, we've got to get one. And then you, you get it and then you start messing around with it. And it's just way too fun like it's just so fun you can create like shadows so easily it's just another another toy like to draw with um and that actually gave me i hadn't been painting really until i got the airbrush and because it was new and fun it like got me super excited and i think the thing is is that you can create light it's so easy to create light everyone's got to try it because it's just like bomb it happens so quickly that it frees up your decision making because you're just that part is easy you're not spending hours trying to get the shadow right with a brush like it comes super quick so it's just fun it's just spontaneous creates a kind of photographic texture if you try if you try and copy a photo you can do it really easily that
0: kind of vintage feel to it yeah. behind there as well it's like a kind of like a found photo aesthetic
1: yeah it's got the fan photo thing and also i think it was it was kind of popping in the 80s so it's got a kind of 80s thing to it as well like i think that's when they were using it a lot in graphics and stuff
0: since we've been talking i've heard you mention a couple of different art shows that you've been to have you always been interested in Like, because
1: a lot every
0: artist i talk to has got different experience some literally have no interest in the current art world at all will go to the show once every three years and other ones are like in and out you know where where, where are you sort of sitting in that spectrum
1: Uh, well I don't go to that many shows. Um, usually it'll be someone... If someone, if someone's like, oh, this one's coming up, that's basically when I go. Usually I see um, old, like, posthumous shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the Martin Wong one, I think he died in the 80s or 90s. The sort of bigger um, shows. Yeah, and then there's... Yeah, I'm super excited about the Philip Guston that opens. Or uh, well, is open, maybe, and I'm going to go to tomorrow. Other than that, it's just word of mouth. It feels like there's quite a... Uh... A really energetic
0: live London art scene at the moment. Is that something that you're kind of paying attention to, or is it something you're trying to dis- distance yourself from? Because the scene is always like a part and parcel of the art game, but it feels like just now the, that that scene part is more alive than I think it has been in, in in quite a while.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of cool. There's a lot of cool um, things happening. There's a lot of young people putting on like interesting shows, like on a kind of guerrilla thing. know i'm not super plugged into it what's going on in the scene i suppose just through friends i can see what they're doing a few sort of counter-culture shops and stuff that will put on pop-ups but yeah i'll just see i'll just see someone that i know in a show and then i'll go to that and get to see like a few people that i've been aware of like in a little um, exhibition. So your work is now is being shown in, you know,
0: institutional spaces. Does that feel like it's been quite a natural thing to happen? Is that something you've had to go search for? And is it something you've been, like, figuring out? Like, how do I make it work in this art game?
1: No, not quite like that. Like, but yeah, like I said, I was away in Mexico. That's when I started painting and it was just so fun. It was something I always wanted to do and I got put off from doing when I was at school because I, like, uh, just had bad experiences with um, school, like I was saying before. And then when I was painting, I, was, I started doing like triptychs and stuff. I was getting really excited because it was like developing. Ronan Mackenzie, she just hit me up and was like, oh, I love these paintings. Like I'd love to put them in a show. And I, that was the first time I'd thought about them being in a show. But I was away in Mexico, so I had to, I had to bundle them up in my, in clothes and send them in luggage back to, back to London. So That was the first time I'd thought about showing them. When was that? That was probably uh, 2022, three. No, 2022, yeah. Um, like maybe maybe like February or something. She put me in a few things, including that um, show in Margate at Carl Freeman. So it was through her that I even thought about exhibitions and it gave me a lot of energy and confidence to like focus in on paying on canvas as like a thing to pursue, even though I've been enjoying it so much already. Did it feel before that you were like working towards something? And I think that's
0: always the kind of the tricky thing. It's like really easy to just get into a place where you're making stuff and then it's different once there's like, this is what I'm making it for.
1: Yeah. I think when I first moved, when I first dropped out of uni around then, I was doing animation with my sister Jazz. I was helping her animate her stuff. That That's, I started getting a few jobs for that. So I was like, oh, okay, I can make a living off animating. And then when I met my ex partner, Athen, she was painting and um, that was like, oh shit, you can paint, like you can get a studio and do paintings. That was super inspiring. We would had a few shared studios where we'd just be making for the sake of it, frantically making things, filling up the space until a job would come in for an animation. Then we'd do that. And I got enough money off one job to go to Mexico. Um, and then then I had t- I had a bit of time. So it was like, and we had the space. So it's like, ah, oh, I can paint. Like, it was just so exciting. And I was just, it's just about surprising myself because um, I've always wanted to make really compelling images just because then I get to see more of them. I want to, that's why I like, that's why I'm comfortable copying people. Cause it's like, I want more of that stuff for my own sake, like selfishly so I can look at it and be inspired and excited. That was the main thing showing it is exciting as well because that's like the um story i've heard all these stories about painters and stuff and that's obviously part of it to for other people to see it and i love sharing it but really the most exciting thing is to get to see it come together and feel really good about it you know i mean does your environment impact the work that you're making yeah definitely um definitely live around here in peckham is like super inspiring get to see all these characters and it's like this proper cultural thing here like people have got their own community little little ones sort of split up and i get to I get to know those people i think it was great because it feels like
0: it still feels i know if i'm sure if i speak to people that have been here their whole life they'll say oh it's changed so much it's, it's so gentrified and everything but it's like you know having lived in hackney and shortages like, that's like the that's that's your gentrification there like you're still down here like there's still you know, it still really feels like there's a an authenticity to the community down here that doesn't feel too, you know, homogenised just yet.
1: Yeah, like when the football was on and it, like there was African teams in the in the football, like you saw all these people gathered around on that market road. Like you could tell that that they were so so excited to be represented in that and stuff. There's still that personal thing going on with people that have been here for years. As well as the fan, like new fancy cafe or whatever you know meet it's always nice if there's a little hint of that like you know
0: it's a, it, it's always good if you can still get a nice coffee yeah. <laughs> it's like you know the little things are, are, are important it's just once everything becomes a pret or uh that you're like okay we've gone too far with this do you think your work feels like it was the hand of a london artist um uh i think is this world london like if i look at like i i looked at your one of your earlier animations And it definitely had, it definitely had that, particularly a South London edge to it. And it felt like I was
1: in that world. Yeah. I always wanted to come to South London because of like artists, like musicians that were here and stuff. I think it's probably a mashup of London and I've not been to New York, but I love New York from films. And then sometimes it's um, somewhere else, like kind of imaginary. But yeah, I like the city as a backdrop, but it's kind of like an imaginary city, I think. Mm. it's like um, like an alternate reality I definitely get that
0: sense that there's like a sense of like really familiar every day in your work but then it'll, there's just little elements that take it off into something kind of otherworldly almost supernatural
1: I'm glad that you that comes across like yeah just something a intentional bit. yeah just, I think that's I like that as stuff I like a little bit of sci-fi maybe that's your science there's yeah your science yeah and they're slightly um wrong. They're not quite human. There's like something a bit like different about them, which is maybe a little bit um sci fi or something. I think it's good to have yeah, familiarize something to throw off the familiar familiarity. <laughs> what
0: is it you're looking for then in faces in particular?
1: In facial expressions you can just there's something you can you can sense something you don't know for sure, so it's ambiguous. And you can relate to someone how they're feeling you can put yourself in their shoes a little bit you can change what the relationship between characters by how they're looking at each other uh yeah faces are just amazing it's always the first thing i ever draw is always a face just personality
0: you're listening to kato here on radio juxtapose in a second we're going to be discussing one of the pieces we're sat in front of in the studio As this is a podcast, I thought it might make sense to help sort of verbally paint that picture, so to speak. Sort of awkwardly on the floor is a canvas about a meter squared, filled from corner to corner with shades of piercing blues. It makes a really stark contrast to the more muted cityscapes that seem to fill the rest of the room. In the middle of the painting are three characters in a boat. A man is standing at the front, looking down at a small newborn child he holds in his enormously exaggerated hands. Behind the pair, a woman sits cradling her legs. Their airbrushed expressions and body language indicate that there's more to this scene than a leisurely paddle around the lake. Can you t- talk to me about this one behind you? Because it was one of the ones that, I, 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 that really stood out. Thank you. Did this come from an idea? Or is this just, again, you sort of scene building from photographs or things like that? Because it feels like there's there's maybe a little bit more. And I guess it's probably because it's in such an unfamiliar setting, you know? It's like there's something, there's something, there's a story there behind it. It's not necessarily the barber shop. It's not in the street. It's like, okay.
1: I got, I've started this one because there's this old, there's this old screenshot I had from back when I was at uni actually um, of this documentary called Tropic of Cancer, which is when David Attenborough was like 24 or something. And he goes to Australia and it was like anthropology wasn't animals. And it was these beautiful shots of these um, uh, indigenous Australian fishermen, fishermen um, in these little narrow boats uh, on the water. And it was those colours, they, they had really dark skin and they're on these black boats and they're on the bright water. So I started with that and then I found these faces, they, they were a similar thing. They were like photography um, of some West African tribe. And I was excited by, I I like the water, the reflection, This was fun as well. Um, When it came together, from their facial expressions, there's like, you could start to get the emotion of what was happening. It's ambiguous, but they're obviously in the middle of nowhere, on the way, on trying to get somewhere. And they're a family, which I relate to when thinking about my own ancestors' migrations and stuff like that. I was putting it together, and then I... Showed my mate Owen a photo of it, and he was like, "Ah, they should be holding a baby." And I was like, "Yes, thank you." And so they put a baby in his hands, and it's in his hands as opposed to hers, which is slightly interesting to me as well. Yeah, it's just like it's they're in the middle of the ocean on a little boat, so it's like it's not they haven't got the best odds, but they've got hope. You know what I mean? So yeah, no oars. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, just <laughs>
0: no engine. I think that's the bit that was like, okay, there's something. This isn't like a leisurely stroll in a lake. There's something, there's something more to it than that.
1: Yeah, they, they kind of, I think you, they kind of have to do it. They kind of have to be on this boat. Um, and they, yeah, they don't look too excited, but they definitely have to stay positive. So, where,
0: where, where is your background then? What is your, you talked to uh, a little bit there.
1: Yeah, my, um, well, my parents are both born in England. Um, my mum's from Yorkshire and my dad was born in Luton, but my dad's parents had come from Jamaica um, uh, just before he was born. Jamaica has always been like part of my like identity and I got to go there in 2018 with my whole family. Um, but yeah, I like to think about, my dad knows like my whole, um, he calls it like matrilineage like his mum's mum's mum all the way back to all the way back to gong gong who was a slave or enslaved and i like to think about all of them and all the and where they were before because i got to go to ghana when i was a kid and that's where a lot of people came to um, to jamaica from so maybe it's that journey um does that factor
0: into your i guess that must just factor into your your subconscious or maybe you're conscious as well when you're trying to tell stories
1: yeah definitely yeah so it's, it's a lot of it's a lot about like um the lost stories uh that i find interesting and my dad's actually a historian like that makes sense because i was like it's
0: it almost feels a little unknown less common that they can tell that lineage like i can go back four or five generations that feels like someone that's actively you know tried to
1: dig into that he's particularly interested in the history of like jamaica and migration and music he wrote about bob marley and the whalers and yeah so i got all that in my head from him and he'd just be he'd just be plugging away writing it when i was growing up you know what I mean is it the same for you then when you're making
0: music is that the similar do you do you look to tell similar stories with your music as you do with your with your painting
1: I think the music's a bit more personal to me than the paintings are have come about in the music I don't know music's like I just want to give it a go like these other people have and like it's more about the writing or the yeah m- more about the writing recently I've learned how to play the bass a bit um and now we're playing as a band. You're, so you're a
0: band rather than a solo outfit. What's the name of your band, sorry? So
1: we're just under Kato at the moment. Yeah, because th-
0: that's why I was like, I thought it was just you doing everything. <laughs> 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 Guys,
1: that's I've got a name for a band. band. <laughs> just an idea, <laughs> I'm going to fall <follow> with <laughs> you. Yeah. No, we've, we've been racking our brains. It's hard to come up with a name Yeah. For a, bra- for a band. But I made, this, I made music with Jago, um, one of my best mates, uh, in, back in Brighton, and then in lockdown we made this project so it was his beats and my vocals, so the project was Kato. And then when I got back from Mexico, we were like, "Oh, we should play it live rather than just pressing the instrumentals like we used to do back in the day. Um, so then Owen, who's the guitarist, he started getting a band together uh, and I started learning the bass. To have to be doing singing as well as as the vocals, so it's not as like intense for me. You know what I mean? Now we've got a drummer and sax and keys. Jago's on the keys as well as this uh, guy Ollie. So yeah, it's like now it's a band. You know what I mean?
0: And you put something out on rhythm section. Yeah. How did that come together? Because I I saw one one on one of your posts. It was playing my first gig tonight. Playing our first gig tonight, and this is in like August or something. And it was like you know b- put on by Rhythm Section. I'm like, okay, so you know Rhythm Section is quite a big London brand. You know, big London label, Bradley Zero. Uh, you know, bit of a dawn. So it's
1: quite. It feels like that was quite uh Yeah, that that maybe quick. Yeah, a bit out of the blue, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, well, we'd been making music. All, our, all my mates um, who I live with, we were all making music together in Brighton. Then, when we come to London and it was locked down, me and Jay go honed in. He was like, he's always been sampling, like digging for vinyl and stuff. And then we made this project that we were like, oh shit, this is actually like different and like exciting. And I submitted it to a competition. Bradley was one of the judges, Bradley Zero. Um, when we didn't win, we were runners up. And he was like, Oh, you guys should have won. Oh, but at this time, I'm now focusing on the painting. So it's like a lot going on at once. Mm-hmm. So we just made sure that the rehearsals were really good. Um, the live stuff was getting better. And now it will take care of itself
0: sort of thing. Is there a connection then between the practices? Do they all feed into the same or, they, or, or is the music completely separate from the painting?
1: I think the music is much more about me and my, and my best friends enjoying each other's like company and like doing something other than just sitting around. And then when we made that, those six songs, we were like, oh yeah, like we've got something here. Whereas the um, painting and drawing is just what I do uh, when I have a minute to myself and a piece of paper and a pen, I will just draw, you know what I mean? That's like my personal thing.
0: Where are you then when you're painting? What's sort
1: of like, yeah, your head space? For me, it's like, it's all about references. It's like, I'll oh, get excited by something. I mean, that, that when you said
0: sampling earlier, that was the word that kind of triggered that. I was like, it feels like there's a connection between sampling and...
1: Yeah, I definitely. Jago was sampling. I never really sampled. But Jago was cutting things up um, from what he loved or what he found. So it's definitely similar to that. It's definitely got a hip hop thing to it. Yeah, because that's collage as well. It's like audio collage. So yeah, it's definitely a bit of that. And I'm playing, I'm, I'm listening to Mad Lib and Dilla when I'm doing it do you think there's music in your paintings naturally yeah definitely it's definitely got that chop and and rhythm and like maybe this guy's saying something like that I'm thinking about that as well and like these intersecting stories and then some of them are literally playing a playing a guitar or something you know what I mean Mm
0: -hmm. are you still constantly on the lookout for other influences to 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 lean from where you where you sort of taking influence is it just the everyday life or is it anything in particular
1: yeah I started taking some photos um, down the street but a lot of it is I just got a sick book of Malik Sadibe, who's a photographer that I um, get a lot of ideas from and other than that I'm digging on online like there's a page black archives which just share photographers work but also family photos And stuff like that so i'm just i'm always digging through that and then constantly looking for work from painters um to steal something from them as well you know what i mean what is the what's the sort of
0: the next couple of years
1: look like for you then
0: what's in the plans and what would you like to be working towards
1: well i got i want to just take the paintings where wherever they can go and get bigger and better with the painting. I also want to make uh, animations out of them and I've got a few ideas like I've, I'm going to be working, I've got someone to collaborate on that with. You have a show in mind? Yeah I definitely want to, I want to work towards a, a solo show next year but I also want to start creating some stuff, get put some people I love from London together and maybe I'll be in part of that as well. Like I've been, this last month I've been collecting some drawings from some of my favourite artists And I wanna definitely get a show of that together at some point. Do
0: you think that you're more interested in the DIY side or are you gonna go down the kind of more traditional, institutional established gallery route?
1: Yeah, I've been thinking about that this week actually. I think I'd like to start off just by doing it myself. 24 i think it's if you can yeah exactly
0: because like you get you get to like 30 36 or 37 you're like oh shit i'm gonna i should really sort my life out i think when you're 24 is like you're meant to do this shit right you're meant to do it yourself you're meant to you you know you still got good network of friends you've you know fucking put that shit on yourself and i think there's an energy that comes from people that are doing that because that's where you know it's like the culture always you know it's it's from the street it's not from the galleries right it's it's way more interesting
1: yeah i'm much more i'm much more interested in yeah there's a lot of a lot of people i know who are doing mad work that inspires me so much so i want to find spaces for that and be involved you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and have it exciting and and like fun for everyone one of the the things i'm passionate about is is showing people how easy it can be to have a go have fun with it you know we had to enjoy it at least you know what i mean so, like, yeah, that's that's important to me. As someone then that
0: just sort of, that didn't go through, you know, you didn't go, you weren't painting necessarily at, uh, you know, university or and things like that. How did you learn and hone that technical side of things? Where did that technical ability come from?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, well, yeah, I've, I learned to draw just by drawing, like, um, by just copying... And then I'd spent a lot of time drawing from my imagination as well. So I got really confident with the pencil and the pen. You draw these scenes before
0: you paint, uh, before you, I say paint, but assemble them, I guess, is maybe.
1: Yeah, no, not always, but sometimes, yeah, sometimes. With the boat one I did, I drew that all out first. So yeah, it comes from drawing. And then I, at at sixth form, I was, I was when I, do you know, what, I had a teacher at secondary school, Miss Farheat, and she really showed me how to paint. And she t- showed me like, to put green in the skin color and stuff like that so that's when i relearn really um fundamentals of it but i just try and figure it out from other from other from images like how they've done it and then just do it on the on the job you know what i mean are you one of these guys that's just constantly sketching yeah i'm always drawing um it comes in waves though but yeah i i, I try and do something every day you know what i mean whether, whether it's as drawing or a painting or make a track I feel better if I've done something so I'm always trying stuff
0: if you could be one of either you can't be both it has to be one or one or the other super successful musician or super successful visual artist which one would you which one would you go where does your heart lie on that
1: I think I don't know I don't know it changes all the time I think uh since I've been painting like that would be really fun to to have like massive paintings and like keep doing that the music's so fun to do in the moment so they're different it's like i don't know yeah i don't know <laughs> i think painter though yeah
0: would you prefer then looking at your paintings or listening back to your music
1: oh man they're both so good it's so fun <laughs> it's both it's so fun to do that in yeah. both you know what i mean
0: yeah
1: that's the funnest part is when you can look back at it or listen back to what you made but with the music it's fun because it's everyone else's input as well um whereas the paintings it's like More, more. I have more control over the outcome, I guess.
0: Does it feel like there's a there's an energy at the moment? Do you do you feel like there's a
1: there's a little undercurrent of shit happening for you as a person? Yeah, I feel quite excited. Like just off the back of Instagram, like a lot. I've had a few people shout me for shows and stuff. I got a show in Paris on the 12th at this place called FAWW. And Sasha Bogajev has put me in the show in Beijing. Shout out Sasha. Shout out Sasha. Yeah, there's cool things happening. I'm super excited to, like, to keep going. Um, and yeah, we've got the live shows coming up as well with the music, so that's, that's super motivating. Um, but I feel like I want to take my time as well. I don't want to like rush into, into anything without being super happy with the work. You know what I mean? That's a good place to be.
0: I think especially in this current it just sounds like such an old man (laughs) you know it feels like people do have that I mean and I've done it before well I'll go to I'll go out with an artist or I'll either film them doing a wall or something like that and it's like before you even got back to the hotel or, or back home it's like hey can I get those photos can I get that thing I need to put that out now that needs to be out it's like why why does that need to be done right this second like can't it wait and we'll just like maybe take our time and m- make sure that it feels right that we're all happy and let let things sit for a bit and i think it's important to be able to just take that to give yourself that space as a creative to just sit back and go okay cool i'm happy with what i'm about yeah to like.
1: for sure because i feel like i feel urgency to be making things because i only feel good when i am doing it um but that not that's different to sharing it that's different to showing it that's that can wait you know what i mean a lot of the time but as long as I'm happy doing it or like engaged that's the most important thing you know what I mean.
0: That was Toby Cato Grant for Radio Juxtapose, definitely one of the youngest artists we've had on the podcast but I'm really excited to see what lies in store for the future and I always get a little bit extra excited when I hear about artists following that DIY mentality because that's where so much of the real magic lies. If you did enjoy that, don't forget to give us a follow, share the episode far and wide. As always, we'll be back with you guys real soon. Till that moment comes, take care of yourselves and each other.